Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not commit murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, You fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it said, you have heard that it is said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said by those of ancient times, you shall not bear false witness, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I must confess, your reading gave me a uh, moment of uh, internal laughing 
because I thought about my husband, who, uh, when he would, we'd go out to eat and he didn't have any reading glasses, and so I'd try to be quiet, you know, if it was a nice place, I'd say, you know, this, what do you want me, which, what do you think you want tonight? I, I'll read them, I'll read it to you what they've got. No, just read the whole menu. <laughs> At which point, <laughs> I read the whole menu. <laughs> anyway, so it's amazing what we think we can see until we can't see it, isn't it? Um, I want to say this. Um, I missed you guys last week. Um, I tell time by Sundays. So I haven't had a clue what day, any day of the week was since I missed last Sunday. And I was thinking about somebody this week, and some of, a couple of you actually, and I thought, well, I haven't seen them. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. It's only been two weeks, Doris. It's not been. But sometimes when you're so used to seeing people every week and you don't see them for a week, I mean, you all are really very easy to miss. And I missed you. <laughs> uh, we hate to have to uh, not have church, but um, when the sheriff tells you you're better off to keep your people off the roads and then... Um, it appeared as if the uh, parking lot would have been not a great deal of fun for people to go tramping through. So we do the best we can when we have to make those decisions. What we come to today is um, what I consider a gift to be able to uh, stand here and say a few words about. Because it, I'm going to say some things about our Lord's uh, Sermon on the Mountain. Now this in Matthew is, a, is where Jesus is up on the mountain and the disciples, his followers, it's not just the 12 now, he's gathered more people who are coming. So he's got all these people there and he's talking, not literally talking down to them in terms of you know, dumbing down as they say, but he's talking to them who are below Then the sound we hope would carry down. And then we were joking about the fact that some of them who couldn't hear would probably be saying, no, no, he said. <laughs> so they'd translate as the sound went on down so that they would know what Jesus said. Sometimes we forget that, that um, or maybe a lot of times we forget, you know, they didn't have any way to go back and reread, reread the sermon or go check it out. I mean, it's, you hear it, and then you have to kind of piece it together. So we're so grateful when we have these kinds of words from our Lord. On the 2nd of February, our, our reading that day, had it not been the presentation, would have been about the Beatitudes, or we would have read the Beatitudes. Last week, we read the section of the Sermon on the Mount that was about salt and light. And then this week, we finished that section. So I'm going to very quickly read to you at least the first part. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples said to him, Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in heart, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then he goes on to talk about the salt and the light. It's interesting that when he talks about the salt and the light, he doesn't say things like, you could be the salt of the earth. You might be able to learn how to be the light of the world. That's not what he says. He's looking out on these people these faithful men and women who have decided for one reason or another to be there that day, to come and sit with him, to come and listen to him, to come and open themselves to be taught by him. And what he sees before him, just as I'm looking at you today, is that you are the source of light. You are the source of light. If the story of God's love is going to go out into the world and lighten the darkened places, you're going to have to take it there. Not on your own, but if you don't and you're waiting for somebody else, somebody smarter, younger, older, brighter, richer, poorer, whatever, to do that, it's not going to happen. So in a sense, we're not nearly as separated from the words of that sermon as we might think we are. Because I truly believe if our Lord were standing here today and trying to explain to us who we are to him, if we were to be, he were to be here and was trying to encourage us to be with him in the way he needs us to be with him, he would be saying the very same thing thing to us. You are the light of the world. That's your job. You are the light. Carry your light. Be there in the darkness of other people. I've given you the words. I've shown you the way. I gave you a heart. I gave you a heart of love. All you've got to do is just reach down into that heart of love that is of God, and you will find your light to share. It's in you. And you who have been baptized, you not only have that part, but you've been blessed. You've been marked as Christ's own forever. You've been given everything you need to be a light carrier into the world how important you are, how blessed you are that God has seen in you what God needs to change the world. If we don't believe that, if we don't believe that in our gut, we're not going to be what God wants us to be. I'd even go so far as to say we're not going to be able to be and continue to do what God needs us to do. That's our job. And what about this business of being salt? One of the things that salt did in the ancient world was to preserve food, preserve meat, so it wouldn't rot so fast. 
It would hold it off so they would have protein for a longer period of time. And I keep thinking about the fact that you and I are the salt of the world because we're trying to keep the earth from rotting. We need to be the salt. We need to be able to see where people are wasting away, where the goodness is being taken out of them by situations and by tradition and by racism and all the other isms. People in prison who are not being taught how to get out and live. They're only not even being taught how to live in the prison system. We have a duty, my friends, to preserve the earth from rotting. Some of us would immediately think about that in terms of climate change. We are those people that have to raise our hands up and say no. We need to look at what we're doing to this beautiful world you gave us and how we carelessly ignore the facts that are written right out for us to see. You are the salt. You, individually and corporately, have an opportunity to try to save a little part of the world you touch from rotting. Preserve it. Preserve its beauty. Now, I don't want this to be all down and out, but I do think that it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's kind of neat to mention the fact when those um, flowers, those lilies, grow out and open up on the front yard of this place, you know, I, I, don't, I wonder how many people in our area are raised up because of that beauty. Just seeing all those day lilies blooming, just seeing those flowers, People can be revived by God's beauty, the simple beauty of the earth, the bloods, the jonquils that bloom, all the things, little touches. How can you look at, out at a spring and not think, God, you really are good. You color well within the lines. This is another way of being salt to the earth to keep what we have, to cherish it. And so now we go on to this last part of the Sermon on the Mount. Beautiful words, but hard words. But I want you to understand I'm not about to try to go through it part by part. There's not time enough to do it. And I would, we, would, we would not be able to absorb it all if I were. I want you to hold on to this. What Jesus is doing in this last section is trying to tell us in every possible way how much God loves us. He is in front of these people trying to explain a world that God has taught him from before time and forever. God has shown Jesus a different world. It's not a world where you worry about if somebody's going to take a sword and stab you, 
That's not the only worry. It's a worry where you don't want to kill a relationship. You don't want to kill the possibility of a child being able to find love and to find oneself. You don't want to be the kind of teacher that puts people down instead of raises them up. There are so many ways we kill each other. So many ways. By not listening, by not caring, by not opening our arms, by not forgiving, by not offering compassion. Murder is the big word. But we murder so many different ways. Sometimes because we don't know. But other times because we're mean. Because we want to hurt. We want somebody to hurt. They hurt me. I will hurt them. And then, if we turn around, they're gone. And a relationship has been wounded. And wound a relationship enough, and it is it will be killed. So Jesus is talking about a different world. He's talking about a world where we don't just worry about physically killing somebody. We worry about getting along with people. We're concerned about being with others, helping them to be the very most and best they can be, even if we don't like them. How many times have you reacted to somebody and virtually wrote them off, and then God, in God's own humorous way, put you back together with them? And lo and behold, sometimes you found you could tolerate them, and other times you found out, by Job, I like that person. What did I ever think about when I thought I couldn't stand them? That's the world Jesus is trying for us to see. Begging us, begging us to see a different world, a bigger world, a better world. Yeah, we're going to get slapped down sometimes. We're going to get black eyes. We're going to get bloody noses. We'll get our toes stomped on, and we may get the door slammed in our face. So what? So what? If we try to bring about that world that Jesus is trying us to, wanting us to see, then we're, all, we're in good shape. We're okay. We can come home and slam a few doors and ram a few cabinets and say, well, I'll never, I'll never. Well, I'll probably wait a while before I'll try that again. <laughs> It's the going back. It's a trying again. Jesus, over and over again, came back to people, loving people, being with people. How many times did he have to go back to Peter? And we only know of a few of those. Heaven only knows in the time they were gathered, there had to be a lot more than got reported. But he loved Peter. 
He loves us. And He wants us to love people like He does. And if we throw up our arms and say, I can't do it, then we're not light. We're not salt. And we have claimed that we are better than God because we know better than God knows. And God knows we can. We can shine the light. We can be the salt. We can have relationships that matter. And not just to us, but we can teach others how to have those relationships. Jesus is begging us to love God, to obey God, and to hold fast to God. Love God. Obey God. Hold on fast to God. And if we'll do that, day in and day out, moment in and moment out, we can be what God says. We can change. We can change something between now and whatever time we have left on this earth. We can. Because he told us we could. He told us we could. I began Epiphany reading some words of a song that was later sung by Paul McKay. I'm going to read a part of that again. There is a longing in our hearts, O Lord, for you to reveal yourself to us. There is a longing in our hearts for love we can only find in you, our God. God has that longing in God's heart for you. God wants you to see yourself the way God sees you. To trust it, to feel it, to act on it. Yes, there's a longing in our heart for God to reveal God's self to us. But the God of relationships says there's a longing in God's heart for you to be my child, my image, my gift to the world. Amen.